You're listening to the Faith City Outreach with your host, Marina Maria, who is also the founder of Global Gospel Worship Radio. Marina interviews local pastors and global leaders to share their testimonies and their ministries. Marina wants you to remember Matthew 6:33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Now here's your host, Marina Maria. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, Oz Hillman, who is an internationally recognized speaker, author, and consultant on the subject of faith in the workplace. Hillman has written 20 books on faith and work-related subjects in a daily workplace email devotional entitled, Today God is First, that is read by several hundred thousand people daily in 105 countries. Oz Hillman is the author of 31 Decrees of Blessing for Your Work Life, believes that it is a critical It is critical for Christians to pray for God's presence at their workplace and how God's word can help them succeed and have an impact on others in their career. Oss is founder and president of Marketplace Leaders, an organization designed to equip others to live out their calling in and through the marketplace and through this ministry. Oss and his wife live in Atlanta, Georgia, Oz has one daughter and a son-in-law. Thank you very much, Oz, for being on Faith City Outreach to share your very impactful and practical book, 31 Decrees of Blessing for Your Work Life, because I know it's going to help many Christians bring the power of God into the workplace. Thank you, Marina. It's so good to be with you. Oz, you are considered an expert on topics related to faith in the workplace for many years. What are some common concerns and challenges of Christians regarding faith at work? Well, I think the biggest thing is that for many years, really decades, um, we were not taught to bring our faith into the workplace. Uh, in fact, we many of us lived as Monday morning atheists. We'd, we'd go to church on Sunday but then we would check our faith at the door on Monday. Hmm. And it was in the mid to late nineties. There, there seemed to be an awakening within the body of Christ that we needed to help those in the workplace understand the faith dimension of their lives. And we began to see this show up in different uh, situations, different ministries beginning to speak out. I happened to be in the middle of that through a crisis that I went through and I began studying the scriptures from the perspective of your work is a calling and a ministry Mm -hmm. based on Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do unto the Lord. It's the Lord Christ you are serving, and therein is your inheritance. And so that one key verse really was sort of the launching pad for me as I began to study, and then I began to teach and share with others about that and ultimately would write the devotional. So what you're saying is that there was some social programming done in the past that has prevented Christians from uh, sharing their faith at work. Well, I think that the, it's been an omission in the body of Christ, especially at the local church level. You know, the local church is very focused on the four walls of its ministry 
inside the local building versus what's outside the ecclesia, larger body of Christ. And I had a friend once say, I wonder if God is more concerned about the church on Monday through Friday than he is on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I say, oh, wow, that's a big one. <laughs> that's a, that's mm-hmm. something to think about, isn't it? But when we look at the scripture, all the ministry that Jesus did was in the marketplace. He had 12 people that came out of the marketplace. He uh, didn't take people into the synagogue to get healed. He did not uh, do most of his miracles inside a building. It was mostly out in the public square. And so we see the model of Jesus and Paul and, and ultimately the disciples that they lived out their faith in the very area that where they spent most of their time. Do you think that it's changing now today where we're looking at, where we're doing a lot more community outreach and we're sharing our faith, not only at church, but also in the workplace, out in the city, out in the community, everywhere we go? Absolutely. There's been a, a, a real awareness in the last you know, 15 to 20 years. And then the early 2000s, uh, the Billy Graham organization asked me to come consult with them and And uh, they were seeing a move of God in the workplace. That was their words. And they said, we want to see how we can help help you in this. And so we talked and we ended up having a conference together. And ultimately, Dr. Graham would make a, a statement that said, I believe the next great move of God is going to be through believers in the workplace. And uh, certainly, you know, he was one of many Christian leaders that finally had to recognize, you know, there's something going on in the, in the workplace where believers are beginning to exercise their faith and witness and see, you know, the activity of God in the area of their calling. Did you ever face these concerns and challenges yourself in the workplace? I absolutely did. You know, um, I remember that, uh, early on that you just didn't really talk about it and uh, that um, it was kind of uh, an unwritten law that you didn't, you know, breach, uh, you know, faith type uh, language in the workplace. But we began to see this change, as I say, in the late 90s and uh, the news media even picked up on it. And I was interviewed on MSNBC uh, a national radio sh- or TV show uh, on cable news. And uh, they recognized that something was going on. And uh, as that happened, more and more secular media began to do stories on it. So even uh, the New York Times did a major story on it. When did God put it in your heart to write this book, 31 Decrees of Blessing for Your Work Life? It was early uh, uh, 2020. Uh, My publisher, who did my last book, actually had done a series of books called 31 Decrees of Blessing for Your Marriage, uh, for Men, for Women, for, you know, just a series of books like this. Uh, The format was always, you know, a devotional and the 10 decrees around that particular area of your life and then an activation uh, paragraph. And so as I read that, I said, where's the one on the workplace? <laughs> and I, mm. so I called uh, the president of the company. I said, hey, you're, you've got a, a big void here. 
um, would you like me to write this book for you? And he says, yes. <laughs> and so uh, I jumped into it and it was such an easy project to do because uh, I pretty much had it in my head and heart uh, that I've been walking it out for 20 years. It's an, But it's an area about the spoken word of God is something that I feel is not in the tool belt of the average Christian. It was something happening in your life also that um, you had also included in this book to help you write this book? Well, I'd been act, I'd been living this way for many, many years, and my wife had too. She uh, every day makes decrees. Uh, when we pray together in the morning, she's making decrees over things. And so this wasn't foreign to us. It was part of our life already. So when I began to write the book, it was a matter of just um, articulating different uh, areas of people's lives. And I had some great stories of people who were uh, really uh, living this way uh, of really uh, speaking the word of God over uh, challenges in their life, in their work, in their family. What was the most challenging part for you to write in this book? Well, quite frankly, there wasn't a great deal of challenge <laughs> in writing it. You know, sometimes I find that when God leads me to write a book, I don't just think of a book to write. I wait until mm -hmm. I have something downloaded to me. Mm -hmm. And so when the download comes, it's just a matter of putting it on paper. And I'm a very fast writer, so I can turn something out very quickly once I feel like I've gotten the, the download. <laughs> and you probably also set a decree for your book, too, while you were writing it. <laughs> you believe Christians should know how to pray for God's favor and blessings in um, our work, but that requires spiritual maturity and Bible study. Um, why do you make this important distinction? Well, you know, it's it's very difficult to speak the word of God if you don't know the word of God, you know, and so the Bible says that we're to hide it in our heart and, the, mm -hmm. and there's power in the word mm -hmm. of God. You know, there's life and death in the tongue, it says in Proverbs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that many believers don't understand is that whenever you're walking with God and whenever you're going to maybe minister to another person, you need to be able to recall scriptures that might apply to that person. And if you don't know the word of God, how are you going to do that? And so that's why it's important for us to meditate on the word and spend time with it every day. It's food for us. Uh, a believer, uh, that should be part of their daily uh, life, just like eating is. And uh, it goes into our spirit, and the Word of God is powerful uh, to discern the things that we need to discern. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, whatever you do, do unto the Lord. It's the Lord Christ you are serving, and therein is your, I'm sorry, I, I'm quoted the wrong scripture. It's um, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in a, on your own understanding, acknowledge him in all thy ways, and he shall direct your path. 
So what a powerful scripture verse that is for us to depend on and believe uh, so that he can direct us. And uh, it's exciting when we see the activity of God match up with the word of God. Uh, But what if someone who is listening right now does not have the spiritual maturity right now, but wants to pray for God's favor and blessings in their workplace? How can he or she learn to pray for God's favor now since spiritual maturity takes years to achieve? Well, this book is is perfect for them because it's pretty much uh, an instruction manual because it, uh, you know, when we have the decrees in it, they're all based on scripture. So it's a great way for them to learn, you know, to understand you know, what scriptures, what decrees apply to this particular topic. And there's 31 different topics. Uh, The way the book's laid out is we start with a story that illustrates what the decree is going to be about. And then we give them 10 decrees. And uh, that then leads them into, you know, reciting those. You know, the basis for the whole book is found in Job 22, 28, thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. You know, when you look at the word decree, the meaning of that word is an official order issued by a legal authority. So you and I, God gave us the keys of the kingdom to represent the interest of Jesus on earth. And what he's called us to do is manifest the word of God on earth. When Jesus said, I pray that they might bring heaven on earth, Mm -hmm. we are the instruments to pray that into his existence and decree it into his existence. Now, that doesn't mean that we're naming it and claiming it, you know, to uh, distort the word. It means that we follow the guidelines in scripture as to what we should do. And uh, there are some great examples of that in the, in the Bible. What is the difference between blessings versus decrees for those Christians who don't know the difference? Well, they're very similar, except uh, blessings are things that we might receive without doing anything. You know, we might be blessed for a great marriage or a great uh, living, a great job, Uh, We could receive the blessing of God in a lot of different ways. Decreeing is a little bit different in that we are engaged in an active way of speaking to something. You know, uh, I tell a story in my book where God led me to speak to a mountain of books in my basement where I had not sold but two or three copies a week. Uh, and I had to order a thousand books uh, with the publisher. And God led me to Mark 11 that says, speak to your mountain. And so that morning on Saturday, I felt led to go down to my basement, lay my hands on the book and say, in the name of Jesus, get out of the basement and go be a blessing to someone who can use his books. Well, I felt kind of foolish, you know, because it's a very unusual thing to do. But at two o'clock that afternoon, I got a phone call from a ministry in Dallas, Texas, and they ordered 300 books from me. It was a $3,000 order. And 
we were supposed to be closed on Saturday. So, you know, that really built my faith. And then I began to see other examples of this in other people. My wife had a wonderful story that's in the book on uh, how she spoke to something that changed everything. And uh, so it's a great way of really experiencing God at a different level. What are some of the topics you cover in the book? I know you said you have over 31 topics. Yes, there's 31 for 31 okay. days in the month. 31. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm looking at the book right now. And there's um, one is uh, we start out, speak to the uh, speak the glory of God. That is a story about a man who gave his business to the Lord and is bringing glory to God through his business. Another is speak to your mountain. Not my story, but my mentor's story. Uh, speak provision for the needy. Speak to your sales. Speak mm-hmm. to your provision. Uh, speak to your circumstance. Speak words of life. Speak peace and unity to your team. Speak financial mm-hmm. blessing. So you get the idea. There's many, many topics that we cover, uh, and each one is relevant to everybody's life because we all experience these topics. Can you provide some biblical examples of those who made decrees? Absolutely. You know, of course, God was the first one who made decrees in Genesis 1, where he said, let there be light, uh, and there was light, and there's about six different things he decreed that uh, in Genesis 1. He, he decreed the waters come, and he decreed the oceans and, and the barriers of, of the uh, borders of the of the nations and so forth. And then Moses was told to speak to the rock on behalf of the people when they were coming out of Egypt and passing through the desert. Of course, Joshua, he spoke to the walls after walking around them seven times. He shouted mm-hmm. at them and they fell down. Jesus spoke to the fig tree. He actually cursed the fig tree to uh, speak a, an example to the disciples And then Jesus spoke to Lazarus and said, come forth, Lazarus. And of course, Peter spoke to the crippled man. You know, I don't have money, but this is what I have. Stand up and walk. And so you find many, many examples in the scripture where the spoken word was uh, commanded or exemplified. I like how you mentioned that business owners must remember regarding helping the poor, tithing, and making a cultural impact. What do you mean about a cultural impact? Well, I think that we are all called to be salt and light in our cities, communities, and nation. And uh, Jesus... Uh, said that we have all authority. Uh, he gives us the keys of the kingdom and the, he wants heaven on earth. So God's desire is for heaven to be manifested in every culture, uh, that every nation would be a sheep nation. And uh, so the way that happens is one by one, you and me fulfilling our purpose and our destiny and allowing our lives to be salt and light with the people we come in contact with. And some that sometimes that's on a local small level, and sometimes that could be on a national level. And so it's, uh, you know, our responsibility to fulfill what God wants to do 
through us. We, we need to be available to God. And it's not about ability as much as availability. What do you mean that business owners must remember regarding helping the poor? Give us some examples about how a business owner can help the poor aside from tithing. Sure. Well, in the Old Testament, we find the story of Boaz. Boaz was a a pretty wealthy uh, farmer. And we all know the story of Ruth, uh, where Ruth came and, and, uh, you know, her daughter-in-law ended up marrying Boaz. But one of the things you find in that story is Boaz uh, would leave the gleanings of his field behind uh, a portion so that the poor could come work his fields. So this was their form of helping the poor. Uh, What's interesting about that story is they had to participate. They were just weren't given checks. They had to go out and collect the overage that Boaz would leave in his fields. And that was going to be what cared for the poor. The modern day example of that would be that a business owner uh, sets aside a certain amount of profits to be able to sow into Christian ministries or Christian needs in the world, in the community that they live, so that they um, are really establishing God's kingdom. The Bible says in uh, Deuteronomy that he gives us the ability to create wealth in order to establish his kingdom. And so that's a very important principle that all of us in business must understand and apply uh, in our lives. This is Marina Maria from Faith City Outreach. I am speaking with today's special guest, Oss Hillman, who is an internationally recognized speaker, author, and a consultant on the subject of faith in the workplace. Hillman has written 20 books on faith and a work-related and work-related subjects and a daily workplace email devotional entitled Today God is First that is read by several hundred thousand people daily in 105 countries. Right now, we are talking about his book, 31 Decrees of Blessing Your Work Life, which is helping many Christians in their workplace. Oz, in success or even uncertain and difficult times, such as these times, how can God use us to further his kingdom? You know, um, Marina, I went through a very difficult season from 1994 to 2001. I lost over half a million dollars. Uh, My wife left me. I lost 80% of my business and my vice president stole my second largest account. And I had an ad agency at that time. This ushered me into a season of seven years of really trying to understand God, how did this happen? You know, uh, much like Joseph, who got thrown in the pit all of a sudden by his brothers, he didn't see that coming, Mm -hmm. but his life was changed dramatically overnight. And that led him into uh, what most believe is at least a 13 year season of his life, uh, because he was probably around 17 at that time. And he was elevated out of uh, prison when he was 30. And so we know that he had a, a very severe period of slavery and then 
actually being thrown into prison for something he didn't do. And so, but God was bigger than that. You know, um, I have a friend who used to say, um, Jesus is the only one who made plan A for the rest of us. He turns our B plan and C plan into his A plan because God is a redemptive God. So there's nothing that can be done to us that God can't redeem. And so no matter how bad the situation, uh, how big the problem, God already knows the solution for it. He's simply asking us to engage with him, to join in how we're going to solve the problem together and how we're going to manifest his glory in that so that he gets glory out of that. And so often what happens is I found that the depth and width of your adversity is often determined by the level of adversity you actually go through. So if God takes you through major adversity, chances are he's going to use you in that adversity uh, for purposes that we don't understand. And certainly that's what happened with Joseph. And uh, it certainly happened to me. You know, I was a, a man who was very satisfied to go to work and uh, lead a Bible study and play golf two or three times a week. Uh, but then I went through the crisis and God turned me into a writer and a speaker and took me to 26 countries and wrote tw my 21st book. And, you know, uh, how does God do that? You know, I thought my life was over after the first two years of that adversity. And it, I could not see anything but the crisis I was in. So are you saying that adversity can be used in our calling that God is calling us? Yes, to do? I'm saying that. Or in adversity, our ministry? Yeah, adversity could be your calling. You know, I say that, you know, I had a mentor who met me two years into my adversity who said, Oh, so you have a Joseph calling on your life. It's a marketplace call uh, to be a spiritual and physical provider for others. And uh, he says, here's the first stage of that. Here's the next stage. And here's the next stage. And uh, the key is you pressing into the Lord with all your heart to see God fulfill that purpose. Now, at that time, when I first met him, I felt like an absolute failure. Uh, here I was a Christian. I was going through a divorce. I was the only divorce in my family. I lost my wealth. I, I just was at the bottom. And he's saying, no, there's the call on your life. And so I walked into the meeting that day as a complete failure with a lot of shame and walked out with a call. And so then he was my mentor for the next 25 years. And uh, he allowed me to really uh, carry his bag, if you will, to be able to glean the wisdom that he knew and had. He was from Sweden and he still is my mentor today. And uh, it was a tremendous uh, experience and uh, everything he said got fulfilled and God turned me into a guy that barely got out of English uh, class in high school to a writer of 21 books. Now that's, that's the foolishness of God. <laughs> God likes to shock us. <laughs> that's Amen. amazing. And thank God for sending us mentors, right? Us. Amen. I've had three mentors in my life that each had something very specific uh, God had in mind to deposit in my life at that particular time of my life. 
some people think that they can't be used by God us to further his kingdom because they don't have enough education, skills, talents, money, or even status. Please speak from your heart about this and give some words of encouragement to our listeners right now. Every per- person can be used of God, no matter where you are in the totem pole. There's a wonderful story in the Old Testament in which um, a young woman was basically serving as a maid. Uh, and she was uh, serving in the household of um, a leader in Israel. And one of the generals uh, contracted leprosy. And she went to her bosses and said, I know a man, a prophet of Israel, who can heal the general. And so she told him about him, and the man made contact with the, the uh, general and uh, told him to go in a lake and bathe in a lake, and he would be healed. And he argued with the instruction, but he did it, and he got healed of leprosy. Now, if you think about that young maid, uh, I wonder what the, her relationship was to her employer after that. Her stock went way up. <laughs> and so it doesn't matter where you are in the scheme of life. God has a way of using us if we make ourselves available. And how can your book, 31 Decrees of um, Blessing, help the people, the listeners that are listening right now, those who feel insecure right now or who have lost their jobs, how can your book help them right now in their lives? Sure. I think the book can help them from a standpoint of moving their faith to a more active faith in engaging with God and engaging with the spoken word in speaking to their situation. And uh, one of the things we did is I did a 45-minute teaching on the principles found in the book. And uh, your listeners can go to our website, 31decrees.com, 31decrees.com to access that. And that'll coach them on how to utilize the book and how to incorporate it into their devotional life. What is your advice to those facing job loss or fearful of the future because of circumstances outside of their control? Well, you know, the Bible says in Philippians, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. And that's not just a nice Bible verse. That's a verse that we have to believe. And, you know, we've all faced situations There's a great story in the Old Testament um, about a widow, and she was on her last meal, and she had a son. And uh, the only person she knew to go turn to for help was the prophet Elijah. And so she explained her situation, and Elijah turned to her and said, do you have any oil lamps in your house? And she said, yes, I do. And he said, well, go get those and also go to your neighbors and ask if you can borrow their oil lamps and then take them back. And I want you to begin pouring oil in the lamp. Now, when she did that, the oil never 
never emptied. It continued to glow. So there was a miracle that happened when she combined her faith of responding to the prophet's instruction to be uh, have provision. Now he told her, now I want you to go and sell the oil. And that is what you and your son are going to live on. And we don't know how long that lasted, but it sounds like it lasted quite a while. And so the principle of that story is asking ourselves, what do I have in my hand? What do I have in my hand that God might want to multiply? Perhaps it's a skill that I haven't used in a long time, or perhaps it's a new career that this being out of work might, you know, allow me to do that for the first time. Perhaps it might mean going back to school. Perhaps it might mean I have uh, a relationship that I've never tapped into, or perhaps there's actually something in my house I could sell. You know, there's a lot of different things. And whenever I go through a lean time, I always ask that question, Lord, what do I have in my hand that I'm not utilizing, that I'm not leveraging, that I'm not using to create revenue? And uh, that's a great question to ask when you face that time. Many want to share their faith at work, but face restrictions us. What is your advice to them? Well, I think first we need to realize that we are the witness. The words aren't the witness. We are the witness. And how we, how we operate and how we conduct ourselves in the workplace speaks volumes to those we encounter in the workplace. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that there are times where we need to give voice to our faith. And sometimes that needs to be on a coffee break or before work or after work, um, but we don't take company time to witness uh, because that's not respecting our employer and we're not giving them an honest day's work. So we need to honor our employers and really work for them and make them successful. And so, you know, whenever it's interesting, whenever you see many of the people in the Bible like Joseph or Daniel or Nehemiah, they brought prosperity to their employers and um, there was favor upon their life. And many of their employees discovered their own faith by a miracle that took place in that situation or just watching the life of that person. You know, it says Joseph, um, you know, God prospered Joseph. You know, those were the words used even when he was in prison. And how did he prosper him? Well, he was such a wonderful administrator that the prison guards put him in charge of things, you know. And so as believers, we should have the favor of God. Uh, we should have the greatest spiritual anointing of any person who's in the employ anybody we work with, right? Any company that you're in, you should be the highest spiritual uh, value in that company. And so as a result of that, you're going to bring favor upon those that you work for. Are there modern day examples of people who gain a breakthrough in a life circumstance by making a decree? Absolutely. My mentor, one of the, uh, the second story in my book is about Gunnar Olson, who was the founder of the International Christian Chamber of Commerce. And um, 
it's a very uh, amazing story. He, he had a large company in which they made plastic bags, very, very large plastic bags that fit over bales of hay at harvest time. And so every year at harvest time, they would ship out all these uh, large bags to farms across Europe. And so it was uh, that time of year, they had a thousand uh, pallets of bags ready to ship. But before they shipped them, the inspectors came to inspect the bags and found that something had happened, that the bags had sealed. Uh, a molecular breakdown had happened so that the bags were no longer bags. They were just sheets of plastic. In other words, they were sheets of trash, you know, and they had a thousand pallets of this uh, ready to ship out. Well, this, uh, this became aware at, uh, at um, Friday afternoon, and Gunnar was made aware of this, and his, his president called him, well, I guess, I guess Alpha Pack is done. We're going to go out of business. We can't handle this loss. And so it, uh, he thought about it. He went home and talked with his wife about it. And he shared it with his two young children. And his young children said, I don't believe this is from God. And his wife said, um, I don't believe it's from God either. In fact, if Jesus can turn water into wine, what are plastics? And so Gunnar heard the words and he felt like, a measure of faith came over him that they were supposed to stand against this. And so, but it had already happened. And so they didn't go out to the factory until Sunday night. And they saw this really big <laughs> pallet of, of bags all over the floor. And so he prayed and he spoke out loud and he used Mark 11 and uh, where she spoke to the mountain and he spoke to those pallets and he spoke to those bags and he said in the name of Jesus, you are to return to your original state in Jesus name. This is God's company and you will not destroy it. And uh, so he prayed and that night uh, he and his, his wife and his children went throughout the plant and laid hands on every pallet and uh, prayed over it. Well, an interesting thing happened. Monday morning, the employees went out and inspected the bags and they had returned to their original condition. The inspectors who inspected the, the problem came back and inspected what had happened and they validated the miracle. And so here was an example where speaking a decree mm -hmm. saved a business and saved the livelihood of hundreds of people. Most people, when they hear a crisis like that, they call their insurance company. <laughs> but Gunnar had faith in God and had a belief that went beyond the natural. And we have several stories in the book similar in which someone decided that they needed to speak into their problem and something happened. Amen. And praise the Lord for that. What is marketplace leaders and how do you help others? Well, marketplace leaders uh, is our goal and mission is to help people see their work as a holy calling from God. 
And so we primarily equip leaders through teaching and training. And uh, so our devotional, which is at todaygodisfirst.com, we actually send out four devotionals every day to 105 nations. And those simple devotionals encourage people in how to apply faith in their work life, how to overcome adversity. And then we have a second area that's called changeagentmastermentor.com. And that is a online program where we equip leaders, mentor them, meet with them every month and online, it's all online. And we have over 37 courses, 140 classes and 54 video case studies. And it's a very affordable program. It's only $19 a month. And so it's a real great way for people to be able to engage those who really want to learn how to be change agents in culture uh, can uh, be a part of that. And they can, they can stop anytime they want, but um, we've got uh, several hundred people that are part of that and uh, they love the program and they, it's a great place to learn no matter where you are and what country you're in. You said that it's reaching 105 nations. That's correct. Our devotional reaches 105 countries and we have people from all over the world also in our Change Agent Master Mentor Program. Is there a country that's uh, mostly participating in this? Well, America is the primary uh, country okay. that we have more members from there. Okay. But we have people from all over the world. We just had our mentor call Thursday night, and we had someone from uh, Jakarta, Indonesia. We had someone from New Zealand. We had someone from Australia. We had someone from Nigeria. So, you know, it's, it's a small world when you have technology that can do what it can do. <laughs> That's true. As a leader yourself, what is your favorite scripture that you repeat often during challenging times? Uh, I would say it is Isaiah 45, 3. And um, he reveals secret things in hidden places is the gist of that verse. And that verse is kind of my theme verse when writing the devotional. Uh, I realized that God was isolating me for a season, and it was in that isolation time that he was revealing secret things in hidden places. And uh, the people who write me and who read the devotional, um, they all say the same thing. They say, you read my mail today. <laughs> you spoke <laughs> something that I'm going through right now. And uh, so God allowed me to go through many of the challenges that many of the people go through every day. And then I reflected it in the writing that touched their heart and encouraged them. In your book, 31 Decrees of Blessing Your Work Life, you have some bullet points that I uh, read on the website, or I believe there was a uh, informational sheet that you sent me. And one of them is praising God in all things. Can you share more about this and how it can help uh, people in the workplace? Yeah, I do a lot of teaching 
uh, about adversity. And I do a course called the Joseph Calling. And because uh, what I learned through my own adversity, I'm able to help others, you know, understand the journey, you know, things not to do and things to do. And one of the things I tell people is never begin to project what you think is going to happen uh, in the future. Uh, whenever you're in adversity, sometimes you you look at the, the worst possible scenario. Mm. Oh, I'm going to lose my house or I'm going to lose my car or my wife's going to leave. You don't know that at that particular time, many in most cases. And so we want to take it a day at a time, a minute at a time sometimes, <laughs> and <laughs> just thank God. Now, in um, Isaiah, it says that... Um, put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Mm -hmm. What that says is that he's telling us, don't focus on the negative. Mm -hmm. Don't voice negative words and begin to use your mouth to praise. Now you may not thank God for what you're going through, but you can thank God that he's giving you the grace to be able to overcome and to be able to sustain you through it. And so that's what we want to do is we want to change our mindset to be able to look to God, who is our source. And, uh, you know, years ago, someone did a, 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 an actual exercise that kind of modeled this for us. And there was a group of men, we were all in this room together and he had two men stand in the front of the room. And he says, now the man on the right is Jesus. And the man on the left are your circumstances, your bad circumstances. And so he then instructed the two men to begin walking away from each other. Hmm. And he said, now I want you to keep your eyes on both of the men. Don't take your eyes off both of the men. And so as they walked away, you obviously could not keep your eyes on both of the men. You had to choose which one you were going to put your eyes on. And he says, now the moral of this story is that you want to keep your eyes on Jesus and mm -hmm. let that other circumstance take care of itself. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a great example of understanding, you know, when we're in adversity, really tapping into God and seeking him uh, uh, with all of our heart uh, in order to allow him to fulfill his purpose. You know, in Psalm in Psalms, it says he will fulfill his purpose for you. And we need to claim that verse. That's a verse to decree. I decree that God will, will fulfill the purpose for which he made me. I like how you said that we need to be careful of our speech during adversity times. Do you find that most people speak negative words upon their situation? and think the most, say the worst, the worst things about their situation too. So often that is the case, you know, Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, my wife probably does this better than anybody. She'll, she'll say, oh, I'm getting sick. And then she just said, no, I'm not getting sick. In the name of Jesus, I am healthy mm -hmm. and I proclaim that and I decree that I will be healthy. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want the negative word to come out and be used to fulfill mm -hmm. a destiny in by saying those words because 
scientists have discovered that there's power, you know, in words, uh, you know, that uh, we don't uh, appreciate that. That's why it's so important for our, for our children to hear positive messages, to affirm them and be careful about negative words because they have such an impact on us uh, in certain situations. Us, what advice would you give listeners about fear? We have so many people that are in fear right now because of the COVID-19. Some people don't even want to go out of their houses and a lot of them have lost their jobs but still don't want to go out of their houses because of them being in fear. What advice would you give to people? Well, first thing, we want to go to the word of God. First Timothy 1.7 says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, there's, there's why you need to study the scriptures. That popped in my head when you asked that question. And that's because the Holy Spirit brought it to the surface because I had studied that verse. But the practical side of that is that, you know, we need to understand that Satan's job is his vision is found in John 10, 10, that says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm -hmm. And Jesus's mission statement is in the second part of that verse, but Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. And so isn't it interesting that you find two vision statements in one verse that mm -hmm. both talk about how the world is to be. And so Jesus calls us to live above faith. Now, one of the things the devil, I believe, has used this COVID for is to instill fear in people. When you look at COVID, just the statistical nature of COVID, 99% of people get better. And so, but that doesn't come out very often. Mm -hmm. And people, most people recover. It's the elderly that tend to be ones who, you know, who have pre-existing conditions or have other issues. And we still need to take it seriously, but we can't let it dictate our lives. And uh, unfortunately, our politicians have made this a means of trying to control the public. And so we have to be careful that we don't fall into a trap. Uh, we honor the laws that um, are before us, but we don't have to live in fear. We need to live our lives. We need to enjoy our lives. And, uh, you know, I had COVID back in, in December and it was, it was not fun, but you know, I, I was still living my life and uh, I was not allowing fear to dictate every place I would go. My wife and I still go to movies. We go to uh, things that we want to go to and it, where masks are required, we use it, but we don't let fear drive us. Uh, there's so many people that I have met that are, in a job that they don't enjoy. And I'm just curious to find out what would you, what advice would you give them? Well, I would say that if they're in that job and they need to be in that job, then they need to understand that God may have placed them there for a purpose. You know, I have people come up to me sometimes and say, well, you just don't understand who I work for. He's a difficult boss. And I say, well, I can't imagine that your boss is more difficult than Joseph's boss or Nehemiah's boss or Daniel's boss. They did 
they had pretty challenging boss. In fact, one of them got thrown to the lion's den. One of them got thrown into the fire <laughs> and one of them got thrown into prison. But somehow their story is being read about in the Bible because they chose to trust God for their situation. And I think that's what we have to do is we have to have a gut check in our life and say, okay, I need to own this thing and I need to step into this, even though it's not something that grace is sufficient for thee. Paul had a lot of situations where he was persecuted, but you never heard Paul complain one time. He understood that was part of his call and that he was going to let the life of Christ live through him, no matter the circumstance. Is there anything that you would like to um, mention about the 31 decrees of blessing your work life that we have not mentioned? Well, I think that uh, the website we set up at 31decrees.com is a great place to even go deeper than what we've talked about today. And uh, there's also uh, a two-part actual course on the book that they can find there and uh, information about the book if they want the book. But, um, you know, it's an exciting type of book because I, I say that it's, it's something that needs to be in every believer's toolbox. You know, we all, we all have our basic toolbox of prayer, witnessing, going to church, worship. But what about the spoken word and decreeing the word of God in situations that might be challenging? And that's what I hope this book will do for people is kind of think outside the box than what you've had experience with before and take this to another level and incorporate this. My wife and I go through the book every day together, and we decree what's in the book every day. And it's a great reminder every day to be proactive in our faith and to proclaim things over our lives. Amen. Thank you so much, Oz, for sharing about the 31 decrees of blessing your work life. And I know that it's going to bring so many people um, bring encouragement and also teach the people how to bring the power of God into the workplace. Can you please end in prayer for whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to pray for? Sure. Father, I thank you for those who have listened today and uh, those who are in a tough place, especially. And I pray faith over them. I speak faith. I decree faith over every yes. person listening today that they will see you as the God of breakthrough. And we speak to our mountain today. We speak to that situation that needs to change. And we speak because you tell us to, to decree over any circumstance that needs changing uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray uh, that peace would flood every person, that no weapon formed against them will prosper and that they will fulfill every purpose and destiny you have for their life this day in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
You have just listened to Marina Maria, who is the host of Faith City Outreach and the founder of Global Gospel Worship Radio. Marina interviews local pastors and global leaders to share their testimonies and their ministries. If you're interested in being on Faith City Outreach, please contact Marina Maria at fcoprogram at gmail.com. This music is made as a courtesy from zapsplat.com. Marina wants to thank Four Winds Ministries for partnering with Faith City Outreach.